Welcome back to ATVS, the podcast. It's Jeff, and I'm glad you're here. My guest's Instagram bio reads as follows. Skier of mountains, singer of songs, slinger of slingshots, hounder of rocks, haver of good times, and lover of this planet. She wouldn't say this, but I will. Angel's one of the finest skiers on the planet. Have a look on YouTube, and you'll see what I mean. I'm stoked to have Angel Collinson join me in the pod ship for this episode of ATBS, the podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Matt Seiler here, lover of a good competition. One of the other guests on Jeff's phenomenal podcast threw a gauntlet trying to make his episode the most popular on the phenomenal ATBS, the podcast series. Being the frequent guest on the only sub-series, SFAO, I want to make sure that I win. And by winning, Jeff wins. And by Jeff winning, we all win. So please like, share, own, make sure that it gets the popularity it demands as ATBS rules the world. Angel, welcome to ATBS, the podcast. Thanks so much, Jeff. I'm so psyched to be here. We've been kind of communicating about this for, oh, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe since before you put your boat in the water. I know that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your patience. It's been all over the place lately. Skiing is a big part of your life, has been for a long time. I'm sure we can get to that. Sea Bear is a sailboat, which I've seen via Instagram and, and your posting is fantastic and, and it's great to follow along. The last time you and I saw each other in person was quite a number of years ago in Salt Lake City. And I think we had coffee together with a mutual friend and you were on your way north, about as far away from Maine as you can get. <laughs> yeah. At least, at least kind of, maybe Florida. You could go Alaska and Florida, but Alaska and Maine. And that was quite a bunch of years ago. Yeah, 2017, I think. Okay, so yeah, a handful of years ago, you were making a move in that direction. And next thing I know, I pick up on Instagram. I'm like, huh, sea bear. You're in Maine <laughs> working on a beautiful sailboat. Pete looks like a wonderful guy. And you guys are off on, you know, putting together a whole different direction in life. So- Let's just kind of start there and see where we go. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's so crazy how that I've been thinking of this quote that my friend shared with me, which is most people overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in three or especially five. And it is really crazy when I think of three years ago, because I think it was my ex-boyfriend, Jeff that we had coffee with, right? Yeah. So I moved up to Alaska and that was an insanely beautiful life experience. And then things didn't end up working out with me and Jeff. And it was a really small town. So I ended up moving back to Utah and meeting my current boyfriend, Pete. And within like a month of meeting each other, we decided that we both shared the mutual dream of sailing around the world and living in hard to reach coastal communities, you know, indigenous communities that are feeling the effects of climate change. And so, yeah, like three months after we had met, we had found this perfect sailboat. It was like when you get on the fast track to life and life is like, yes, this direction. 
So I'm a professional skier for a living. So I make my money through skiing and ski movies and being a sponsored athlete for some different companies. And so I'm trying to figure out how to navigate into this next direction that I'm kind of like fully committed to. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so we came out to Maine the summer and started working on the boat and they call it just giving it a shakedown cruise and kind of seeing what it needs. And if we're going to be in these hard to reach places, like what kind of things do we want to put on the boat, like a water maker or stuff like that. So I've just been deep into boat world and also learning how to sail. I didn't know how to sail before this. So right, you took some courses, right? Yeah, I took some courses and that was amazing. I learned really well through like intensive learning environments. And so that helped a lot. And then also just living on the boat all summer with Pete. So it looked spectacular. I was curious, is Pete from Maine or no? Yeah. Well, he grew up in Massachusetts, but his parents have a house in Maine that they spend a lot of time at and they have some moorings right outside. I mean, they live right on the ocean. And so it's been really cool. Our boat was half an hour away from their house. And so it was just a really smooth, like everything was kind of perfectly aligned as they happen sometimes. So yeah, we've been at his parents in Maine working on it all summer. Yeah. Well, for anybody who's listening and is curious about the beginning of that huge adventure that you have out in front of you, it looks like Instagram is really your your main method for communicating what's going on in your world. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I I'm conflicted about social media in a really big way, but so far that's where my platform is. And I've been thinking about starting my own podcast. Well, actually, like I'm on my way to doing it, which I'm really excited about because I love these types of conversations and I just love how you can actually go deeper. But currently Instagram is my most used platform for sure. So anybody who's really curious, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful photography, skiing, but specifically as it relates to this new adventure, Angel Collinson on Instagram, and you can go and see, and you can go back through the summer and see what, see what she was talking about. I followed along. It was, it was great. I have uh, cousins who have lived on the main coast their entire lives. And when I was a kid, my aunt and uncle took the family out of school, three girls, and they sailed around the world for two years. Oh, wow. That was a long, long time ago, but that's what they did. And, you know, it was an indelible experience, changed those, their lives forever. So good on you for adventuring. What's the time frame? Are you going to embark next spring, summer and start rolling or what? Well, I mean, COVID is just disrupting so many things, right? In some ways for better and in other ways, just who knows, probably for better too. But, (laughs) you know, we can't really travel internationally and a lot of people were stuck in foreign ports and couldn't go ashore. So we want to give it enough time to breathe after the pandemic and who knows when that's going to be. But as soon as that feels good, we'll be on our way. And yeah, I have no idea. I'm still trying to balance, you know, my ski career with it. And I don't just want to walk away from everything I've built and the lifestyle, you know, I love, but I want to incorporate this new chapter and this whole new voyage. And I don't know what that's going to look like. So it's kind of been a summer of for all of us, I guess, like sitting in uncertainty and you always think like, oh yeah, like transitions. Yeah. They're uncomfortable, whatever. They're hard. You get through them, you come out and you're better and more, you know, more of the person you want to be for it. But when you're in the middle, you're like, oh my God, this sucks so much more than you think it does. Just the uncertainty is so uncomfortable. Well, it's, it's as good a time as any to jump into that. The uncertainty that our human family is experiencing, you know, almost 
8 billion of us are experiencing disruption and being unsettled and not knowing. And for the first time in, in my life, you know, I think many people who are alive today could say the same thing, right? Like this is as big as it's been in our lives. It's taking a toll, right? Not just the, the very sad loss of life, but for those of us who are existing and working through, there's such an, I don't know, immeasurable toll being taken. Yeah. And it's like, it's like an immeasurable toll and it's also an invisible toll. You know, it's like we can see when our health deteriorates, but it's harder to see when we're struggling mentally and emotionally. And it's also something that our society doesn't really talk about a lot. We were just talking before we hit record about how it's this widely spread wearing on humanity that you forget that everyone else is a human just like you. And we're all just bearing the burden of so many different things and I just had a something fall through with another person that I was supposed to have a conversation with and they opened up and were like to be honest I I'm not, I can't do this today because I'm having a really hard time and I was so grateful that this person shared that with me because those moments of us admitting when we're having a hard time are so hard to do with each other but I think they are what really connect us in these times when we're all struggling in our own way, one way or another. And it's always just such a good reminder for me to, even when I'm worn super thin, to just carry extra kindness and patience towards everyone because we're all just carrying this burden. I was having a conversation. I, I did a podcast yesterday with a guy named Jetty Azuma who has a an organization called Rising Man. And it's fascinating, really fascinating. But much of it is, you know, men supporting men. We talked about gender equality. We talked about like, okay, how does that roll? But one of the things is that it's difficult for us to share our vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Some do it better than others. Men, less so. It's more challenging for men to be vulnerable and for it to be okay. You know, to admit that, to share that and then realize that, but it's so cathartic because more often than not, people are empathetic. Totally. Right? Male or female or younger or older, it doesn't matter what generation, it doesn't matter what gender. People, because we're all so much more similar than we are different, are empathetic. Yeah. And then you go, oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks for, you know, acknowledging, sharing. Thanks for being flexible. You know, cool. Like you just said about the scheduled appointment for this morning. Yeah. Okay. It's, you know, it's fine. Thanks for letting me know. I'm an eternal optimist anyway. So I, I think I, I see the good coming from all of this where we're kinder to each other. Yeah, me too. I hope. I, I really have hope for that. You mentioned, and I don't know if you're willing to go here, but you go pretty deep in some of your Instagram posts. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. You know, talk about being vulnerable and sharing things that are going on in your world and thoughts that are going on in your mind. And, and there was one not too long ago that had to do with mental health, right? And, you know, darkness. And I don't want to pretend to be able to recollect it all, but I know you went there. Personally, you were sharing your own experiences. Yeah. Well, it's like our world is so curated right now. Like, you know, advertisements are curated and 
social media feeds are curated and they're always curated for this, you know, idealistic scenario. And I think it just drives us into further and further feelings of separation and loneliness. And so my hope with the platform that I have is to just share my honest experience as best as I can. And, you know, not, not for like sympathy points, but to just be like, this is really what it looks like, or this is really where I've been. And usually I always try and do it in the, with a positive spin, but you know, not always. Sometimes I post when I'm in the thick of it and I'm like, well, this sucks, but I know I'm going to get through it. And it's really amazing how deeply you connect with more people when you open up like that. Have you seen the movie, The Social Dilemma? (laughs) I figured we'd get there sooner or later. I had a choice the other night. So the short answer is no, not yet. I've hesitated, but I had a choice the other night because there were two films that I was curious to sit down and watch. And one was The Social Dilemma and one was My Octopus Teacher. Oh yeah. I just watched both of those. They're both great. (laughs) And I was like, well, let's go with the octopus teacher, and 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 then I had to let that one settle in because anybody who hasn't seen that one, I think, has to. That's a beauty. And I'll give that a plug for sure because it's and I've shared it with a lot of different people. That's a, a longer answer. I haven't gotten back to the social dilemma. I'm a little apprehensive, but it sounds like you've watched it. Yeah, I was apprehensive too because there's also just so much going on in the news in the world that to be barraged with one more hopeless thing, you're like, I can't take it. (laughs) But really, I think it's good to be aware of what's going on. And just, you know, the movie highlights some really incredible statistics, you know, tying, especially with teen girls, but all teens, you know, suicide rates with the rise in social media, like all these crazy correlations, right? And it's just like, it's been there since before social media, but social media is just exacerbating the polished picture of, you know, my life is so much better than yours and check out how awesome I am and just showing the shiny side of things. And it's just perpetuating this sickness I feel. And so it's so hard to be a part of this thing that is super addictive and super manipulative of people's time and attention and, you know, opinions of themselves. And so I figure while I'm still in the system, I want to try and do it as best as I can and have it work for me, not me work for it. And part of it is the diving deeply to things where people are like, oh, I'm kind of surprised you shared that about yourself. You know, what do your sponsors think? And I'm like, I don't know. I I care, but I also don't care because this is the way that I want to use the platform. And if they are supportive of me in that, then that is amazing. And that's been my experience so far. But I guess just to tie it back full circle, that experience of sharing really deeply for me is it's so healing when I hear of someone else that has had the same struggles when on the outward appearance like side of things, you would never think that they would struggle with those things. You know, they seem like the most positive person or spiritual person or their life is always working out for them or all of these things. We always think the grass is always greener for other people. And it's been so healing for me to see my mentors or people that I really look up to that have shared the times when they've been really struggling. And it gives me those times when I'm in those deep, dark places to be like, right, this is part of the human experience and I will endure. And so I hope to do that. I think you do it really, really well. Thank you. I would just like to support the idea that this human experience is flawed and challenging and messy. It's not all shined up in perfect photographs and snapshots and sound bites. Again, I haven't seen the social dilemma. I can well imagine 
when you look and, oh, Angel Collinson's doing this and it's all wonderful. Well, you know, you're living a life that is, it could be presented as, oh my gosh, wow, like that's, everybody would want to do that. But the reality is, is that it's a human experience and a life experience that is uniquely yours and, you know, imperfect and flawed and challenged and wonderful, right? Full of all kinds of beautiful experiences and empty beaches up in Maine, which were <laughs> like, woo, spectacular, but it doesn't come easy. No. And even when you're in the middle of a beautiful life experience, there's still that thing that can be so challenging sometimes. Like I'm in the middle of building a dream of mine and I'm like paradoxically aware of what a unique and amazing opportunity this is and how great it is when you finally are able to have the freedom to pursue something in life that you've really wanted and you're really choosing something in life for yourself. Like there's this juicy beauty to that. And it's also coupled with this like incredibly uncomfortable and sometimes downright painful experience of letting go of my past image as this, you know, extreme skier that was doing these things and recognized for all these things. And so I have to let that part of my identity start to fade away while simultaneously just going into the complete unknown. And while on the surface, it seems awesome, sometimes in it, it is so uncomfortable and I'm so full of self-doubt and wondering if I'm doing the right thing. And I think that just that is the human experience and like coming to terms with it and being able to hold those paradoxes and feel the joy and feel the hurt fully and deeply at the same time is like what it's all about, at least for me currently. <laughs> I love that. Early in the conversation, you said that you are a professional skier. Mm -hmm. You remain a professional skier. That's how you make your money. That's how you have. And that is how you are presently. Yes. Presently. Yep. Okay. So I have a listenership that I think is fairly broad. I know I have some 80 plus year old people who listen to the podcast. I know I have some teenagers who listen to the podcast, men and women and boys and girls and people of all ilks that listen to the podcast. Many of them, because I've grown up a skier, I've lived my life as a skier. I was a ski jumper as a young man. And so there are some people out there who are going to hear this. Okay, Jeff Volmerick, let's talk skiing with Angel Collinson, shall we? <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. For those who don't know, you grew up in Little Cottonwood Canyon. Yeah. One of the coolest places in the world if you like to ski. Yeah. I'm biased, but I totally agree. <laughs> and so a little bit of background there. I know a little, I know a little bit of it, but lots of people can say they grew up skiing Little Cottonwood Canyon. Not that many people can say they grew up living there. No, very few, actually. I can tell you for a fact, only seven kids, at least during my educational years. Yeah, I grew up in the employee housing at Snowbird Ski Resort, and not many families lived up there because there wasn't a school. And so the canyon closes all the time because of tons of snow and avalanches across the road. And it's a pretty amazingly perfect ski town, but not great for living up there and commuting to school in the Valley. So yeah, my mom started a one-room homeschool up there and now there's a charter school, but it was definitely a lifestyle that not many people had. And it was really cool to, and my parents just, you know, believing that 
that's the lifestyle that they wanted for their kids and they were going to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah. Your dad was on staff at Snowbird as? Yeah. He was a ski patroller for a long time and then he did snow safety. So kind of calling the shots on where they're doing avalanche control work and when certain runs are going to open and close and all of that kind of thing. So anybody who likes to ski Little Cottonwood Canyon and goes up in there, and I'd love to get to the usage of the canyons these days because I think it's a big deal. But you know, anybody who's been around big mountains and appreciated being able to, you know, go ski the steep stuff once it's opened up, you know, we can really appreciate the, the people who get the work done so we can go do that, right? Certainly when I'm out in the mountains and I hear people like, I can't believe this isn't an open yet. And I can't believe they have, and I'm like, you have no idea what's going on up there. Yeah. You know, you have no idea how hard these people are working. Like it is not their mission to keep you from having a good time. I promise you that. So a big nod to all the people in the mountains who work so hard to make it safe for those of us who want to go out there and ski. That's I've, I've always maintained that. My parents were both national ski patrollers at a little place in Western Pennsylvania when I was growing up. So, oh, cool. You know, I appreciate the the lifestyle. So, the canyon closes. They're skiing. Dad's on the you know ski patrol, snow safety. You and your brother Johnny, you know, just growing up on the mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy, actually, when I think about how much time we spend. Me and my brother spent out there. It's like I know that mountain like the back of my hand, and it's cool to know a piece of land like that. It doesn't matter where it is. I mean, that's a beauty, right? Like that's a great ski area, a mountain, a, a you know, a pile of mountains like that. To know it like the back of your hand is spectacular. I've been skiing Utah for like 28 years. And actually, Snowbird is the mountain that I know least well. Oh, well, I'll have to show you around. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. And and that's a good time for me to say, you know, you and I, I've been on a mountain with you once. We skied Alta. Right. But it was like bad conditions, I think, if I remember right. It was just hard and fast. And I've said this to a few people, like most people who know me know that I'm a telemark skier and I've been, you know, skiing with my heels free since I started ski jumping at 10 years old. So it's pretty comfortable for me. And I can generally keep up with most people most of the time. There are a few people that I've come across. I'm like, yeah, no. And you're certainly one of them. I've said that to a few people like, yeah, no, that's that's not one that I'm going to be able to keep up with. That's um, nor would I expect to. But, you know, beautiful skier, spectacular, so strong and so capable. And one of the things I love about skiing is that there are so many ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. As many different people that are on skis or or boards or or whatever they might, however you might choose to get down the mountain. You get to paint your own canvas. It's so beautiful to watch and you see people who do it differently. And it's really one of the beauties of it for me is doing it and painting my own canvas, but then also watching people, whether it be from the lift or skiing with people and being like, oh, wow, that's spectacular. Oh my gosh. Me too. Yeah. It's the best. Okay. So from Little Cottonwood Canyon and you know, a lifetime there, then there are films and anybody who wants to go look can go find them and you're in lots of them. How many films have you been in at this point, Angel? Can't remember if it's eight or nine, but well, I get I've, it's eight or nine movies with um, Teton Gravity Research, TGR, but a couple other random ones too, maybe three or four. Gotcha. Yeah. And I've shared this with people because we we can talk about this. People can go find it and find you and see the movies and part of the 
beauty of living in the world we live in today is you can go to YouTube and find most anything. Was it 2015 you were voted for line of the year? I think so. Yeah. 2015. That sounds right. I've shared it with people, Angel. <laughs> said, and people are like, you're going to be talking to who? And I was like, well, it's not really fair to say, well, if you want to know what she does, you can go look at this because it's not who you are. It's something you're capable of doing, something you have done. It's not who you are. But for those of us who like to ski, holy shit. Right? Like, oh, thank you. It, yeah, when say when Sage and the rest of them are standing at the bottom, going, "Holy shit, Angel! How'd you pick that one?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretty spectacular. So kudos. It does send chills down my spine because I love skiing. I have been to Alaska. I've skied in the Tordrio Mountains. I've skied in some pretty big mountains, and what a thrill it is! And then there, as with anything, there are just these different levels of you know ability. I know from looking down steep mountains where you can't see what's happening down there. The whole thing is very impressive. So this is just me giving you mad props and <laughs> letting everybody know that they should go and check you out while you're doing this, you know, while you still are Angel Collinson, professional skier. Yeah. Well, thank you. Go check it out. And if you ever have a chance to chase Angel down the mountain, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good luck with that. Can we come back to Little Cottonwood Canyon for a second? Yeah, totally. I've been skiing the Wasatch Mountains. You know, people are like, where do you ski? I'm like, well, I ski wherever there's snow. For a long time, I bought a Ski Utah Silver Pass. So I skied all, all the ski areas and, and just kind of made it my business to try and learn them. The Cottonwoods are being loved hard. Yeah. It's obvious there are challenges. I was talking to a friend of mine who's been one of the lead guides for Ski Utah Interconnect for decades. For anybody who doesn't know, that's a day tour that starts at one end, either Deer Valley or Snowbird and goes the other way. It goes and covers a whole bunch of ski areas and crosses the Wasatch. And she's talking about meeting at Deer Valley at, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, finishing at Snowbird at four o'clock in the afternoon and getting back to Deer Valley at seven thirty. Yeah. Three and a half hours to get out of the canyon and back up to Park City. If there's no traffic, that's about an hour. Any thoughts? I mean, it's sad. It's sad to me because I don't want to go over. I don't want to make the run to Snowbird because then I'm part of the problem. Right. I can only speak as the same probably as most of us, which is a lot of hypothetical personal opinions. And so just with that preface, I would like to be more part of a solution than I have been because I also really feel it deeply. You know, right now I have a house at the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon and just to go, yeah, from Snowbird to the mouth of the canyon, sometimes will take like four hours. We're just seeing this in all of our public spaces, which is great because people are getting outside in nature more, which is, I think, so important. But it's like, okay, how do we adapt to what's going on? Because And it requires like really good solutions faster than we are coming up with them, obviously. One of my personal thoughts is just the amount of local traffic that goes from you know, there's just like a bottleneck, right? Because people are coming in from all these places. And then let's say they just want to go up what big Cottonwood Canyon or up Little Cottonwood Canyon. And, you know, if there was a better place for a lot of people to park and then go up and back on public transit that was reliable, I think that would help a lot. But obviously it's a lot more complicated than that or else it would have already been done, you know? 
I just think the public transit in Salt Lake is still so far behind just because of the sprawling nature and all of these different things. And so I obviously don't have any like amazing solutions. I've been really seeing it happen and also just seeing the amount of concentration at these bottlenecks and thinking that it almost seems like parking spaces are the issues though, even around where we could have lots of people drive to, to get up the canyons. Like that's not a simple solution. I'm curious if you have any thoughts or things you've been doing or anything from your side. I'll get into a conversation with somebody and they'll say, well, they should change the way the roundabout works or they should do this or they should do that. And I like to say, well, who are they? Who are we talking about here? And they're like, well, you know, the people who make those decisions. Park City is still a pretty small town, right? It's growing. It's tripled in size since I've been, you know, in the 28 years that I've been here this summer, you know, just absolutely exploded with people who drove here. And I was having a conversation with somebody and I said, you know, these were people who I haven't known a long time. They rented a house in Park City starting in May of this spring and they're here for a year. You know, great. As I like to say to people, you know, welcome. I remember when I first got here, what a thrill, what a wonderful place. And it still is. And then we get talking in in more specific terms about things. And one of the things that I say is, look, there are so many passionate, intelligent, and capable people who are working on finding the solutions. They're challenging, they're expensive, they're in some cases mind-bending. Like we have to think so far outside of anything that we're familiar with that they can just bend your mind, they can just twist your mind. They carry huge, huge price tags. If you're going to do something that's going to make a difference over the next 50 or you know 75 years, but are they worth doing? Yeah. When you're talking about things like that, figuring out what is the best way to go is really challenging because who can see 10 years down the line, right? Like it's almost impossible. You know, think about what the world looked like before iPhones and iPads. Oh my gosh. And that wasn't that long ago. No. Right? Yeah. Think about if you go back far enough when somebody says, you know, when I think it was President Kennedy said, we're going to, you know, we're going to go to the moon. People are like, yeah, yeah, right. And oh, yeah, no, we are. Trying to see around the corners is so difficult. What's going to be possible 10 years from now from a, you know, energy perspective, fuel, batteries, transportation? I've also said this. This comes back to Park City and kind of the real world. Park City will sink under the weight of the automobile. So none of us want to get out of our cars, right? I don't want to get out of my car. I'm part of the problem. Until it's really convenient to get out of your car, there are going to be too many cars. Back to what you said, not enough places to put them, right? But there are really, really passionate people, very intelligent, very capable great consultants and whether it be for the Cottonwoods or, you know, the Wasatch as a whole or the Wasatch back in Park City, lots of great people working on it. And if we're curious, we can dive in and become part of that group and follow along. We can support it, whatever it is. I think the worst thing we can do is just sit back and go, oh my God, this sucks. Why isn't something happening? Let's be in it if we need to be in it. Yeah. This crux that we're in, and we, I mean, we're seeing it everywhere in every single facet of the planet. It's like, at what point will the effects of 
whatever this issue is at hand, at what point will they become so personal that you want to do something about it? Like, where's that for each person and each issue and, you know, trying to like really inspire that action to like get involved or to do something different as people, we have to get pushed pretty hard before we're like, oh my God, this is unbearable. (laughs) And now I need to change something. And, you know, ideally in the future, it'll be different. But like, I think a lot about like, how do we change those levers of change or how do we make taking action fun? And like, how do we connect to a different place so that we're more inspired to preventatively take action instead of just being reactive, which we're sort of running out of time to play the reactionary game. And so I think a lot about like, how can we incorporate play into these get involved projects? And I don't have the answer yet, but I just think about that a lot because I think there's so much power in fun and play and ways to creatively connect that with making a difference and also just a shift in the mindset or in the policies first. I don't know which one has to come first of, you know, not externalizing the costs onto a future timeline or the environment where you don't have to pay for it right away or these things where we can externalize and push our costs off. Like how do we just take accountability for those now and make that just a thing that is done? You know, those are really, I think, the important cruxes of our times. Talking about our times, we're recording on October 7th, 2020. There's an election right around the corner. I don't do this very often. I've said, many people have said, so what's your podcast about? And I'm like, hey, it's ATBS, the podcast, all things big and small. Everything's in play with the exception of politics. <laughs> well, I don't want to get into a political discussion, but I do think it's really important to remind everybody, like, look, it's really important to vote. Yeah. However you get it done, go vote. Yeah, totally. I'm sure we all have plenty of resources, or if you don't, I've been working with this group protect our winters. And from my profession, I care a lot about climate change. And so they're, you know, an awesome organization utilizing winter sports athletes and organizations to get more involved around education and activism, but they have put together a voting resource guidebook. You can go to makeadamplan.org or I think if you just Google protect our winters voters guidebook, basically it can help us all see what's on our ballot and how to vote for it. You can print it off and take it as a guide to the polls if you want, or I don't know, just that for me, I think it's so important that we use our voices and we know how important voting is, but there's obviously this disconnect with why we don't do it. And I think it stems even deeper than just like, oh, I was kind of lazy and I missed the deadline. I think it goes deeper than that. And I think what we're seeing with especially so many young people not voting is that fear of what I do and say doesn't make a difference. And I think that that personally, when I really inhabit that mentality, which I do more often than I would like to, it's completely paralyzing and I self-sabotage and I will stop things before I even start them. And so it's a deep-seated fear where I'm like, well, I don't, I'll don't. i just put off registering to another day or it doesn't make a difference. I'm not going to waste my time on that because the system's so messed up anyways. Like all of this rhetoric that really comes from this place of feeling so terrified of not being able to make a difference. And also I think of being a hypocrite, like who am I to really speak up for these things I care about? If it's part of a flawed system where if I drive my car or do the things I love, it contributes to this massive problem. So like, how can I be an environmentalist and love to road trip? Or, you know, it's almost like we're stuck in 
this fear and this fear of also being a hypocrite. And it just breeds inaction and disempowerment. And I think that that's so dangerous. I spoke about this a couple elections ago of this study that Masuru Umotu, he did the hidden messages in water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with him? I am. Yeah. Okay. Have you heard about his study with the rice? I'm not sure I've heard the rice. The rice study. Okay. So basically the hidden messages in water to anyone listening that hasn't heard of it, it was a pretty well-known study where they proved under the microscope that if you would write words on a water bottle or some water container that I can't remember if it was frozen or how the molecules would rearrange. I think it was if you froze it, the way that the crystal, the water like crystalline structure would freeze would be different depending on what word you had on it. And so it was these beautiful structures with words like, you know, love or acceptance or gratitude, but with things like hate or fear, these negative things, it was really disorganized, lack of cohesion. And so it was really obviously crazy when you think of the fact that our bodies are, you know, what is it? 60, what, how many, how? 60 or 70%. Yeah, 60 or 70% and the planet, 60 or 70%. And just the frequency that water actually can hold. And so he did another study where he had a cup of rice in a cup of water in a jar, and he had three different jars. He put them on the entrance going into his classroom. He was teaching a class. And so every day when his students came in, they were supposed to say, I love you to the first jar. I hate you to the second jar. And then the third jar, they just ignored. And this study has been reproduced many times, actually. It's cool when you go on YouTube and see. And the first jar after 90 days that was people said, I love you too, was totally pristine. Looked like it did day one, white rice, clear water. The second one, they said, I hate you too, was half black and moldy and half kind of still okay. And the one that was ignored was totally rotten all the way through. It makes me think of what happens in our psyches or in our spirits or in just in us when we let things go unattended to or fester or when there's these things that we don't want to address or these things that go unspoken. And so when we hold that fear of being like, well, what I say and do doesn't make a difference, so I'm not even going to try. There's these things inside of us that believe in ourselves or in the world, these these voices that want to be shared. And when we don't share them, it's worse than saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. And I really deeply believe in that. And so I hope to just encourage anyone out there who might feel afraid or like your voice doesn't matter, that it really does. And some of my greatest inspirational moments or greatest life turnarounds or upliftings have been from the most random interactions with strangers that have made my day better or finding out about somebody doing something cool in their sphere. And not all of them are groundbreaking or monumental. Sometimes it's the simplest things. And I I just think about that study with the water and not letting our fear silence us. Thank you for articulating all of that. When science blends together with almost this the unexplainable. I spent a lot of my time, you know, working in in energetics and and health and wellness and qigong and yoga and meditation and all kinds of things. And there are so many things that just really can't be explained or have yet to be well explained by science, but do exist. 
you know, you just explained some of them that it's fascinating to me what we're learning and what we're open to. And yeah, you could crack open a whole box and, you know, quantum physics and go a lot of different directions here. But I do have a couple of questions. I guess it's really important to go back to protect our winners or POW, the, the organization I agree is one of the really, really good organizations out there having to do with climate change and makeadamnplan.org is a really good place to go to get information that will be helpful. Jimmy Chen put out a really good piece. He's got a great piece out on Instagram on, you know, makeadamnplan.org and you can find it all over the place, but go look. Yeah. And their voter guidebook, I think makeadamnplan.org will take you there, but their voter guidebook is really awesome. And the other organization that I want to highlight for anyone listening who's like, I want to get involved, but I don't know where to start. And I care about climate change. Another amazing organization is Citizens Climate Lobby. And they've got a chapter in Salt Lake. They've got chapters all over the place. And they're just this amazing organization that does a really great job of organizing people and leveraging like writing letters to the editor, or I've gone lobbying in Washington, D.C. with them. And they're goal is to get this certain piece of legislation involved. But I'll keep it simple that if you're interested in climate change and you want to get involved, they're a great organization that you can volunteer with. Um, so I just pulled it up. It is citizensclimatelobby.org. And I, I dig that, right? Like we all have these things that we are passionate about and organizations that we like. So thank you for bringing those up. What are you excited about over the next, you know, in the near future? Yeah. Well, gosh, I mean, it really, again, comes back to the uncertainty of COVID. And my happy place is skiing at the resorts. Like, honestly, I don't know why I love it so much, but, you know, I've skied all over the world and in so many different nooks and crannies and lots of time in the backcountry. And I don't know why I love skiing the resorts so much, but I do. And Alta and Snowbird are like my favorite resorts ever. And it's really cool to be able to live in them. And, you know, I've grown up in them and I could just shred laps, especially on those like when it's blowing super hard and you're just getting free refills and it's a storm day and the light's kind of flat and there's not many people up there because it just kind of sucks and it's uncomfortable, but, but it keeps filling in and it's getting better and better. And those are like my happy days and I can't wait for those. And it'll be really interesting to see what the resorts do to manage COVID. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Uh, what am I looking forward to? I have a little house on Park Avenue in historic Park City that I'm going to move into sometime in the next couple of months before wintertime. And so I got a big project going on down there, which I'm very excited about, a couple of blocks from where I'm sitting right now. And you know, I'm super excited about what you and I are doing right here. I love this podcast. I um, have always thoroughly enjoyed the spoken word and conversation and where you can go with somebody conversationally and then where your mind is able to go through those conversations and before, during, and after. I'm excited about ATBS. The podcast is a, a weekly podcast for the curious and open-minded among us. And hopefully, you know, the intention is to share information in a non-dogmatic, non-judgmental format. Along with that, to build community. And I had a good friend of mine say to me, oh, it was probably six weeks ago now. And he said, Jeff, historically, a sitting president 
carries somewhere between a 40 and 50% approval rating through history. So it doesn't matter what party, 40 to 50%. So come sometime in early November, we hope, fully 50% of the American population will be disappointed. Then he said this, he said, so one, what are we going to do to heal the divide? Then more specifically, what am I going to do on a moment-to-moment, hour-to-hour, day-to-day, week-to-week basis to make a difference? Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take each of us being aware, engaged, giving a shit, reaching out and, and having interactions that are positive and that leave room for social discord. We can have conversation. We can be comfortable and confident enough in what we believe that we're willing and able to listen to a, an alternative point of view. Certainly, you know, listen with the intent to understand. And how are we going to do that as individuals? And so, you know, when I wake up in the morning... It doesn't dominate every moment of my life, but I haven't said this, you know, on the podcast yet, but here we are. And now I have. So what am I going to do today to make a difference? I'm excited to do that. And one interaction at a time. You know, again, I live in this little town that isn't quite so little anymore and a big influx of people. I have an idea floating around that is something like this. I'd love to go on the local radio and invite and welcome all the new people who've come to Park City, whether it be in the last day, week, month, year, two years, five years, and provide information that is useful as one integrates into the community. Mm, I love that. You know, instead of saying, Jesus, it's so crowded, (laughs) it's not like it used to be. You know, welcome. I remember when I first got here, and I've never been one of those people to say, God, I've been here for 30 years. I wish it was the same as it was because it'll never be. But like, look, it's fine if you leave your driving habits where you came from. You don't need them here, right? I'll see you at the grocery store or I'll see you at the next stoplight. Or how do you drive a roundabout? Or here are all the open spaces that have been protected in the last 15 years. You might not know why they're open, but lots of people have worked tirelessly to make that happen. Just to share information so people go, oh, wow, okay, cool. They just learn a little bit more. So I'm excited about that project. And I'm super excited to have conversations like this, Angel, and hear what's going on in other people's lives and and hopefully provide a platform where people can listen and learn and go into the show notes and grab resources like Protect Our Winners and MakeADamnPlan.org and Citizens Climate Lobby and follow Angel on Instagram and see what she's up to. And we can learn so much from each other if we choose in. Totally. Oh, I so feel that. Yeah, right. We And you're great at it. Like, I, I just love the stuff that you put out into the world. It's, and I love the fact that you're, you're willing to be vulnerable and, and you're willing to share, you know, the, all that goes into a day in the life of Angel Collinson. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. So I guess we've covered, you know, Angel the Skier, and I hope you have a wonderful season. Thank you. You too. However it may be, and hopefully we can make some turns together. That'd be so fun. 
do you have things queued up with TGR? Do you have do you have things scheduled up for this winter? Does that how does that work in your world? Does that come together during the winter or what? Yeah, usually there's kind of general talks at the beginning of the season, but it also is kind of dependent on where the snow goes. And so sometimes we'll have ideas of like, yeah, we want to do a British Columbia trip with these three athletes, but the exact location or timing is a little flexible. So it's always a bit of a scramble at the end, uh, adjusting to what's going on. So I'm hoping to do a trip with TGR. And then I also, before COVID, wanted to travel around and probably stay in a van, but highlight these teeny mom and pop ski resorts that, you know, aren't open every day and don't have websites and they're going to go under probably soon because of climate change and also the massive passes. And I don't know if that's still going to be able to happen, but I just hope to, if it's safe or depending on how it goes safely travel, or maybe it's just meeting up with people without the lift spinning in these places and meet some of those diehard people all over. So I freaking love that. I love, I think that's awesome. I was, I said to somebody I was talking to almost exactly the same thing. They're like, what's the winter going to look like? And I said, well, you know, and I did buy my pass and I bought, I did, 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 you know, because you don't want to be not skiing. Right. But I said, you know, why? let's go ski the places that you pass when you're going to another place, like Pomeroy on the way to like Boise. Right. And you're like, where the heck is it? It's in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't even look like there's any elevation gain. <laughs> there's one in between here in Jackson Hole out of Cokeville. Yep. Right. Like ski area. And you're like, what the what? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, let's go there. Yeah. Like, let's buy the $25 pass and go skiing. Or so I I was thinking something very That's similar. So, so I'm funny. really glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ski the small areas. Yeah. So I would like to do that and just, so we'll see how, how that plays out, but that was on the agenda. Well, hopefully we can ski together. When do you expect to be back in Utah? Probably. I, I'm curious. Well, hopefully in like two weeks, it kind of depends on how quickly we, we need to do a couple projects on the boat and then we need to drive. So I guess three weeks, we got to drive across the country and do some boat work. So yeah. Well, oh, and I got to swing through Lebanon and pick up my Dalbello boots and get some Lebanon, New Hampshire, get some work done on them. And then I know that place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so get some boot work done and then cruise in and wait for the snow to fly. Awesome. Well, and then you got a podcast that you want to bring out. Is there anything that you can tell us about that? <laughs> Thanks for listening to ATBS, the podcast, and this episode with Angel Collins. I surely appreciate your interest in ATBS, the podcast. Please subscribe, share with friends, and follow us on Instagram. And until next time, take good care and vote 